I hope you guys thought of your your openings when I say your name. Hello. Oh, oh. <laughs> Hello. Can you just speak really timidly all podcast? Be like, that, that sounds that sounds good. Well, guys, my opinion is uh, battle royales are uh, pretty cool games. And then just that is all. And then just at the end, you bust out the big connect. Please don't. Please, no. My ears, they, they're recovering. Greetings and salutations, everyone. It's time for another episode of Viewport Relay, a bi-weekly podcast where the Viewport team takes a look at the latest news in the gaming industry. I'm your host, Albert Corston, and I'm joined, as always, by Tristan Jung. Hi. And Alex Nestor. Hey there. So, how how have your guys' past two weeks been? Um, you know, building a lot of cardboard toys, playing a lot of Labo, Labo. Labo. As, as I like to call it now. Uh, a lot of Labo labor. And then recently, I've been getting down on this, uh, on this new fad. It's called a Fortnite. Oh, uh, oh no. Oh, what was that now? For- Fortnite. Oh yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like a it's like a brand new game, uh, battle royale, a hundred people mm. on a map. It's it's pretty exciting to be honest. I'm disappointed. No, a bunch of high school friends want to play, so I played. But uh, I mean, Albert, you, you and I played a, a few months ago. I guess I'm, I'm still really bad. I, I'm not. I have not gotten any better. Well, let's be real though. You were in squads though, right? Yeah. So how many chicken dinners did you get? They got, were all like super pro, right? No, we got zero chicken dinners. We got second place once. So we got like chicken scraps, but uh, all right. not any full dinners. I I saw my roommate play that game and they got two kills the entire game. And I said, oh, so you killed like the last two guys, right? Because they were playing duos. And they're like, no, we killed two guys at the very start. And then at the very end, there were six people left, three squads of two. The other two squads were fighting each other. We were watching from a hill, and then some guy shot a rocket, and it blew up the last two guys. He killed himself, and he killed the last guy in the other squad, and we won without having to do anything. <laughs> there I was you like, go. Ah. You hate to see that. Nice. All right, so Alex, what have you been playing? What have you been up to? Uh, you know, I've been uh, doing some hardcore mobile gaming, been doing some more Azure lane, trying to farm up my Jinsu and Sendai to uh, zero luck, by the way, no drops. But, you know, it'll happen. Uh, in other news. Wait, 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 wait a second. Th- I think this is the first episode Alex has got his new phone. Now he has 24-hour access to Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. No. The OnePlus 5T, it's opened a whole new portal of uh, Boat Girl Gaming right now. Not sponsored, by the way, by OnePlus. Nope. But, you know, if if, if Azure Lane, you know, if you want to throw us that sponsorship. Uh, yeah, I'll be, I'll be willing to collab. That's how it works, right? You just say their name and they give you money? Yep. Nintendo Switch. Super Smash Brothers for Switch. Mm-hmm. Labo Labor. Labo Labo Labor. Labo, a labor of love. But it, in other news, uh, I did finish Valkyrie Chronicles 4, so the review will be coming out pretty shortly on that. Review forthcoming. Yeah. Our 10th review. Viewport's yeah. Big 10. Pretty excited. Big 10. We should have we reviewed a game with 10 in it. 
Well, uh, I got something to spoil for you. This is the 10th anniversary of Valkyria Chronicles. Oh my god. All planned. Definitely not, uh, unintentional. How about you, Albert? Have you played anything? Uh, you know, just been binging the last drips of content out of Nino Kuni 2. Check out my review on that. It's a little later than I wanted it to be, but, uh, as in when it came out, but still hot off the presses. Spoiler alert. It's pretty good. Yeah, how, how's... Wait, that's a spoiler? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Pretty good, a spoiler. But uh, how's the post-game been? The post-game, I mean, I like it just because in an RPG, I love to just get overpowered at the very end and slay everything. Well, sure, that's half the purpose. Exactly. So it's a lot of that. Um, just like doing all the side quests to make sure you can unlock everything and build up your kingdom so you can start crafting all the late game gear. All right, so there's a fairly significant amount then. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Be, I would say it's about 30 hours for the main story, and I've put another 20 past that. So, And I'm not... There's even one thing that's really annoying, and it's collecting... They're, they're reminiscent of Koroks, but they're oh almost boy. a little more annoying to find. Yeah. Uh, I haven't done any of I haven't done any of that. Infinite uh, content right there. Exactly, exactly. Speaking of which, I, I, I did find all 900 of those Koroks. So, all right. Um, yeah, let's let's get to the news. Let's get to the news. All right. So first headline today, it's more of an update. Um, and so I guess I'll give a little preview or not preview. I'll give a little review of what happened last episode um, in terms of Steam Spy, which for those who are unaware is essentially a data at uses different APIs from Steam to aggregate uh, data from all the millions of accounts on Steam, and one of the most prominent features that it uses is it estimates, I guess is a good word, estimates sales numbers, predicts sales number of games on Steams and how many copies they've sold. Um, and so, last episode, Valve made a change to the data that they release in their APIs, which made it at first glance essentially impossible i guess is the word i'm looking for for steam spy to grab the data that they need to grab the sales numbers but an update from the creator of steam spy has said that they essentially are using so he's a pretty smart guy let me preface that he was getting i think a phd in economics and some other thing um but he's essentially altered his algorithms to use the available data that they can currently grab from steam's apis and with some test games and some publicly released figures, their new algorithm is quite accurate um, in terms of tracking sales data. So, just an update on that. I don't know if you guys had anything to say. Um, I did read it over. As always, the power of machine learning and big data and deep learning and whatever else they call it these days. Skynet. Skynet has saved the day. It seems like uh, it's kind of back to normal. Like, it, it won't be as accurate. But he said for 90% for ninety percent of the games, it's, like, within 10%. So, eh, it's not too bad. Yeah, it gives you a very close ballpark, so. I think he's also come out and said it won't be available for all games anymore. But 
Still, I assume they'll try to do it for the larger games. Alright, so our first headline today, sticking with Valve and Steam news, Valve has decided to purchase the studio Campo Santo, most known for their game Firewatch. So, is this telling of something new for Valve and its resurgence into making games again? Or is this just kind of their run-of-the-mill of they're always looking for talent and they've done it in the past? I mean, Valve essentially started from just picking up modders for most of their games from like Counter-Strike and Team Fortress. Is this just another extension of picking up talented developers in the industry? Or is this saying something new? Nah, I think it's mostly falling in line with what Valve's done in the past with uh, games like Counter-Strike and Team Fortress. Uh, They're looking for someone who brings basically a story-driven single-player game and just kind of working off that to, you know, put out products. So they haven't done much in the past few years. Yeah, I think the last studio they bought was, uh, or hired, was the Portal Studio, right? Yes, it was a, (laughs) well... Yeah, it wasn't a studio per se. It was a college student game developer uh, final project or capstone project. Yeah. And they essentially hired those developers. So uh, my my personal feeling is that they they just, you know, see talent. And, you know, indie developers usually have a lot more constraints. They're always concerned about money, um, runway and all that stuff. So I think Valve just kind of sees the opportunity there and wants to make sure that they can focus on what they can do best. Um, so hopefully they'll be making uh, a Firewatch card game soon. Mm-hmm. So you don't think that this is related at all into, I think it was Gabe Newell last month that came out and said Valve is now committed to making single-player games again? I highly doubt Valve had an idea for a game and then bought a studio and then would make them work on it. That's true. Supposing that Campo Santos confirmed that Valve... It's pretty much all all systems go from what they were doing before. They're moving to Seattle, so they're moving into the Valve offices, but they're going to continue working on their newly announced game in the Valley of the Gods. Uh, nothing's changed on that. I don't know if additional people from Valve will be joining the team or if they'll be sticking together as just, I think it was an eight-man team, but only time will tell. So just a quick headline from Microsoft. Discord has announced that, or I guess not Discord, but Microsoft has announced that they will be adding Discord linking, essentially. So you can link your Discord account with your Xbox Live account so that players in Discord on PC can see what games you're in, as well as if they're on Xbox and they're linked, they can join games off of friends. So is this just a Microsoft thing, supposing that they're wanting to support PC gaming more? Or is this something that maybe we'll see Sony and Microsoft Sony and Microsoft. Sony and Nintendo follow uh, suit. And by that, I mean partnering with Discord. Yeah, I'm sure Nintendo will follow suit in about eight or nine years. Uh, no, I think that uh, I think that this will become a norm where Discord has gotten so big as a platform where I think Sony will adopt it pretty quickly after following this uh, article. And yeah, Nintendo, I don't know what they'll do, but They'll probably jump on as well at some point, I assume. Um, Sony, yeah, I think it's a it's a given that Sony will hop on it. Like Sony already has Spotify and all these other third party apps that integrate into their system. Nintendo, actually, I'm a little unsure. I'm leaning towards no because Discord is like a communications tool, 
And we know Nintendo's uh, track record with those things, right? Yeah, that's pretty true, considering their kind of online interaction system right now for Switch is pretty limited. There were there were people that wanted Discord, or essentially Nintendo, to partner with Discord to oversee their online communications platform for whatever their new thing is. Right, that's supposed to come out later this year. Do you think that was, would be a great idea, or do you think Nintendo should keep it in-house? I mean... To us, it'd be a great idea, but I think to Nintendo, they're gonna, it, like, if that is an option on the table, they're gonna ask, like, for all of these limitations on Discord. Yeah, I feel Nintendo likes to keep heavy control of whatever the products they put out on their system, and, uh, Discord probably would not allow that, I don't think. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Especially on the, Nintendo likes to essentially own everything that they do. Right. So, Sort of springboarding off of that, uh, and speaking of Nintendo, Nintendo had their quarterly financial results meeting where I think the biggest headline that came out of it that is that Kimishima will be stepping down as Nintendo's CEO and Shuntaro Furukawa will be taking over as the new CEO. It's not that big of a surprise supposing that it w- when Kimishima was announced being Nintendo's CEO that he would just be filling in as an interim role for after Iwata passed away. Um, but just such a sudden, I mean, year and a half, I think it's been, that it's so soon it feels that the... I guess, I don't know. Just give me your thoughts on this, I guess, first, before I kind of go and ramble off. Um, to me, I'm pretty excited. Uh, Furukawa is pretty young, right? Yes, he's 46. Yeah, a lot younger than the others. He's also worked at the Pokemon company, um, who's, you know, given the precedence set by Iwata, I'm pretty optimistic of how this will turn out. Uh, reading the interview, it seems like he he's also a gamer at heart, right? He's not like a pure businessman. Uh, so I'm pretty optimistic of how he'll run Nintendo in the coming years. So do you think that Furukawa will change anything about how Nintendo's operating um, or do you think it's just going to be steady the ship, Switch is selling well, just keep going, don't change anything? Yeah, maybe they will, but, you know, Labo kind of switched things up quite a bit for Nintendo, I think, so they might come out with something even crazier than that. Uh, I guess they could potentially just expand on Labo more, or come out with some uh, new Mario game after Smash, but I... Don't think they will come out with a new Mario anytime soon. I I think they could start potentially looking at some new IPs with this new president. Or maybe revisiting old IPs, potentially? P- potentially, yeah. Maybe Pikmin or something that's been kind of sitting on the burner for a while is going to come out and see the spotlight again. Yeah, and do you guys have any other criticisms as Nintendo as a business in general? I know one of the biggest things that they get is their, their, I mean, we alluded to this earlier, their online services are, frankly, they're garbage. They're pretty garbage. Yeah, they lag far behind in that department compared to the other two big consoles. Uh, is, is there anything, is is that about all you think you would change if, if you were now appointed CEO or now that Shintaro Furukawa is now CEO, do you think that's the one aspect he should change is how Nintendo approaches their online services? That'd definitely be a huge leap for them. 
I think that would help a lot to really cement their place as a very competitive console. Obviously, they're selling very well, so they're competitive in that manner, but they might gain more, uh, even more validity among, like, the, I guess, the hardcore gamer crowd, uh, if they kind of push the online services more. And I think that's just kind of where the industry's gone is mostly online gaming with the battle royales and everything else coming out. So I think that would be the major place where they could improve at this point. To me, I think, thinking about his background again, I think where he's going to try to improve, or at least I, I think they should improve, is basically diversifying outside of video games. Because Sony and Microsoft do a lot of other di- different things, and like Nintendo recently dipped their toes into... Uh, they're making that amusement park, right? So I think because he has such a strong marketing background, kind of uh, trying other stuff other than pure video games and online and all that is where they where they need to go. Um, so I think that's where they can improve. Just like a, a better global presence other than just games. Even more Amiibos. Yeah, I was just going to say, do you mean like Amiibo? I'm, I'm trying to just picture what you mean in terms of sony i mean sony and microsoft kind of have that presence because their gaming divisions were formed after their primary company versus nintendo which originally started as a gaming company i mean i can see them like going into i know this is a sore spot but like maybe movies again or or tv shows um some other type of medium yeah, maybe, maybe some, like, uh, Pixar-style films could do something for them. Or maybe some just simple uh, cartoon series. Uh, yeah, let's probably cool. not do live action again. I don't think that'll work out too well, but... Yeah, I could see that. If they do, like, uh, the Rabbids or whatever, that's been pretty big for Ubisoft in the past, so I think it could work out for Nintendo really well. Cool. Um, just some additional headlines. Not headlines, but things that came out of at least management-related material from that meeting. Uh, so Yoshiaki Koizumi, famous for showing up in a lot of the directs, and Takashi Tezuka have been promoted to the board of directors. And so Koizumi, as I said, helped a lot with uh, Nintendo EPD's game development planning, and as well, he's been called the architect behind the Switch. And Tezuka is most well-known for producing the entire, or most of the entries in the Super Mario series. And then one last sort of management change, Satoru Shibata, uh, president of Nintendo Europe, has left the position and he's been moved up somewhere else, uh, more domestic. Uh, So he's left that position and they have not announced uh, who's filling that position, but just a lot of internal movement within Nintendo as, I guess, their profits are doing well. And we'll get to that right now. So we'll talk about Nintendo's fiscal results over the past year. So over the past 12 months, they have had a 505% increase in revenue. In terms of some just notable game sales, Super Mario Odyssey has sold over 10 million copies, 9 million copies of Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, 6 million copies of Splatoon 2, and more than 5 million units of the SNES Classic. And then one of the more interesting topics I want to talk about is that Nintendo sold in total now 17.79 million switches which as we heard last uh, two months ago 
is currently above the lifetime sales of 13.56 million for the Wii U. And so they've currently sold 3 million Switches this quarter and are looking to sell 20 million Switches for the fiscal year. So they're under 25% of the way in sales, over 25% of the way through the year. Do you guys think that Nintendo, is this a realistic sales target for them? You know the you know Smash is coming out, right? Yeah, that's going to be the big one. And then it depends on what news we see this year of the new Pokemon game. Because I think that'll get people pretty hype if we see something big for that. So I, I definitely think 20 million is achievable for this year. Just Smash and Pokemon? Well, even the last thing is now it's a kind of a slower part of the year, right? Yeah, we're entering summer where it kind of... It's a lull before we get back to the fall. Yeah, so they they can probably ramp up on supply, and I'm sure they've gotten better at making the Switches. Um, mm-hmm. So come holiday time, I'm sure they'll be able to meet the $20 million, uh with ease. Here's an interesting question to, to pose about release dates. So as we all know, the holiday season is very jam-packed with games, and it's obvious at this point that Smash is most likely going to be a holiday release title. And although Pokemon has not been confirmed for 2018, do you think an early 2019 launch is an interesting prospect for Nintendo or the Pokemon company to consider? Um, And this is supposing that usually Pokemon games release in the fall, but as we saw with Monster Hunter World, the January-February time slot is wide open. Or do you think that Pokemon's just big enough it'll it'll sell either way? No, I feel like they're entering the realm of like Disney, right? Uh Disney has so many big movie franchises that they need to watch that they don't step on their own feet. And with Nintendo, all these like flagship titles coming out, I feel like they need to do the same. Um so my guess is wait, did they say Pokemon's coming out 2018 or did they not say no. anything? No. So in the press release it was uh, let me, let's see if I can recall off the top of my head. So it was, it was essentially confirming some of the release dates of future titles. And it was Super Smash Bros. confirmed 2018. Uh-huh. Pokemon was 2018 or later. Okay. And then it was Prime 4 was unannounced. And then one more other game was unannounced as well. But just thinking of Tristan saying stepping on the toes, I'll, I'll just bring this out. Um... Nintendo has, if Pokemon comes out this year, Pokemon comes out this year, so we'll just say that's uh, questionable. Smash is for sure confirmed this year. The new Fire Emblem game is confirmed for this year. And the new Yoshi game is confirmed for this year. So that's four games within six months. First, Fire Emblem actually doesn't have that big of a fan base as many people think. Yoshi, even the same thing. I think, if anything, they're going to make Smash like early winter... Um, so like the, the diehards can get it and then all the kids can get it for Christmas. You think November? You thinking around November for that? Even October? Ooh, so going like an Odyssey route. Yeah. And then, uh, Pokemon is like late spring, early summer. Okay. So next year. Yes. No, tomorrow, this month. I mean, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I, I just want to say that Mario Kart 8 Deluxe sold more than Mario Kart 8 now. Yeah. It's kind of crazy to me that so many people bought Deluxe. I will say right now, as an owner of a Wii U who also bought Mario Kart 8, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe is so much better. 
oh, playing yeah. that game at 60 FPS and using the double items and having... I kind of got a little burned when I bought all the DLC for the original Mario Kart 8. Mm-hmm. So that was about, I think, $30 for all the new maps. And this one came with it. Um, so I technically spent $90 on the original and I had to pay another 60 for this. But I think just having it on the go and having all the improved features is so much nicer. No, it, it definitely improved gameplay quite a lot with the things they did to Deluxe. It wasn't just a straight port over, which is really nice. Yep. And even though battle mode was not very good, I, it's yeah. still nice having it in general because uh, it can still be some fun. All right, everyone. Prepare yourself. It's your favorite not actually recurring segment, which is recurring right now. <laughs> it's time for Battle Royale updates, everyone. Woo! Give me some woo woos. Woo woo woo. All right, all right. Let's let's get to the big one. So last week we we hyped, not hyped. We hinted at this and speculated about it, but it was confirmed that both Battlefield Five and Call of Duty Black Ops Four have battle royale modes potentially in development right now, rumored by multiple sources. Um, so I guess my question is, do you guys think that this is going to affect sales at all for these games, Pos- positively or negatively? You think people will buy these games just because it has this game mode? Can you imagine the Call of Duty fan kids that are like, oh my god, now I don't have to play Fortnite anymore? Because I, yeah. I can get both my fill in Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Mm-hmm. They don't need to play a kid's game anymore. They can play a grown-up game. And to add on to that, the Black Ops 4 rumor was that the Battle Royale game mode would be put in place of a single-player campaign. I, I, I think it's a, it's a really weird move. Because, um, uh, what are they called? Activision. They've been like pushing for a single-player for the longest time, right? They hired Jon Snow, the actual character from... <laughs> Kit Kit, Her- Kit Harrington. Kit, Kit Harrington. Um, you know, to be in their campaign. They always like uh push it very hard. They don't even really advertise the multiplayer that much, um, because they know it'll sell. Um so it's interesting now that they have this like amount of cash that they can put into something else. And since kind of Battle Royale is something that the general gaming mass knows already, um that hopefully Fingers crossed uh, means they can spend this money and time fixing and making the multiplayer better. Yeah, I think the big thing is they're just planning that battle royale mode and the multiplayer can kind of work hand in hand. Maybe have more of the team integrated together as they make this. And they don't have to waste time making cutscenes and stuff for something that people only play for like five hours and then never look at again. So I I think it's a good move if they just go to Battle Royale instead of a campaign only. They might as well just make it a multiplayer-only game at this point. Yeah, I, I'm conflicted in terms of both of these games and their approach to it. I feel like it's not a weird thing for Call of Duty to have another game mode. Supposing one of their most popular game modes is Nazi Zombies and surviving that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I feel like Call of Duty wouldn't work with a battle royale due to the due to like hit scan sniper rifles that one shot people. A lot of the guns are close quarters. A lot of the maps are really small. But on the other hand, I feel like Battlefield has more traditional game modes, and that battle royale just seems quirky for it. But at the same time, I feel that it could be implemented a lot smoother than Call of Duty. 
So it's some weird twisty turny. Each one, it doesn't really fit in each either game. I don't know what you guys think about that. Yeah, I could definitely see uh, Call of Duty uh, Battle Royale being pretty spastic, as you said. It's a lot more close quarters based in general. Uh, time to kill for most weapons in that game are very very short. So I I don't know how it'll work out. I think it'll uh, appeal to the like uh, hyped up adrenaline junkies or something. But Battlefield. I don't know, it could probably work out pretty well, especially if they implement, like, building destruction and stuff. I could see it working out okay. I feel like Fortnite is to Call of Duty, and PUBG is to, like, Battlefield. I can actually see that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, very that's, good. that's pretty accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, but personally, I would be more excited about Battlefield Battle Royale. Ba- Battlefield Royale 5 V. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> just because it... it feels a little bit more integrated like you know battlefield already has 32 versus 32 um so it wouldn't be that much more and their map designs are far superior for for this kind of game mode uh relative to call of duty there's also the fact that battlefield has vehicles in it already so things like transportation getting from point a to point b Mm -hmm. would already be something that they have a lot of experience with that feel when your opponent gets a lucky spawn and gets the M1A or one Abrams right away. <laughs> you know what be no, really I don't exciting? Think, I don't... What? Um, have you guys played Battlefield 4? Yes. Nope. There's like the the commander mode, right? You like yes. log in via your iPad or something and you can like actually... I think that'd be pretty cool in Battle Royale. I, I don't know what role that this person would play, but if they have this infrastructure set up, it'd be, it'd be pretty cool to... You know, since Fortnite and PUBG have mobile modes already, um, this would be, like, another cool feature that they can... So as in one person could control, like, where the circles are and where the drops spawn. Yeah, exactly. spawn random events. Yeah. That'd be interesting. You don't have to worry about people gaming the system, as in, oh, my friend's in this game, let me give him all the good stuff. But it'd be a cool, cool way to put some sort of god mode into the world. Yeah, jazz it up a little bit. Um, and one last thing, kind of, for just these this this specific headline of Battle Royale stuff. So, Tristan brought up it earlier, but do you think that's, this is going to hurt the already established player bases of the Battle Royale games, such as uh, Fortnite and PUBG? Uh, I think Fortnite has become established enough to where it won't really see any kind of hit at all. Uh PUBG, I know they've had some uh, turmoil and stuff in terms of how the devs have been approaching the game, fixing bugs and things like that. Like Tristan said, I think that they could see quite a bit of loss of people going over to a Battlefield Battle Royale game. Uh, yeah, so I, I think that's gonna how it's going to play out. I don't think Call of Duty Battle Royale is going to really affect either game too much. But who knows? We might see maybe a Fortnite people just move out of that game. I don't. I don't see it though. I think it really depends on how they implement their progression system. Like Fortnite's mm-hmm. is really, really well done. Um, like you can buy the costumes, but the really exclusive ones you have to keep playing to unlock them. So as long as Battlefield and Call of Duty don't make their progression system based on like loot boxes, I. Th- think they'll be able to steal a, a a good chunk because i mean they they have their brand name right so um any fan of their series is at least going to try it out 
Yeah, agreed. Are you suggesting they aren't going to use loot boxes? <laughs> this is my plea. <laughs> Please don't <laughs> use loot boxes. I adore your optimism, but we're going to face a harsh reality. Right, so next battle battlefield, oof, battle royale headline, H1Z1 is coming to PS4 May 22nd. And this is hot off the heels, not hot off the heels, off the heels maybe. In February, essentially, an article came out that H1Z1 had lost 91% of its player base. Oh my god. Um, but yeah. last month, H1Z1 went free to play. I haven't checked up on any official numbers to see how it's doing right now, but I don't know. Do you think that this is the first? I mean, it already fell, but the first one to truly fall, the granddaddy of the PUBG, of the, the PUBGs, the battle royales falling. Yeah, I think I think this is them just trying to put something out that maybe people will spend a little bit of. Uh microtransaction dollars on i think that's about as far as they're trying to take this game at this point because yeah h1z one's completely irrelevant now in the current uh battle royale meta first i didn't even know that this game was still like not released on on ps4 i just assumed it came out on every platform already is this mm-hmm. is this still an early access no no it's out it's okay out. um but yeah i i don't see this thing picking up any more steam um, I, I haven't played H1Z1, but, like, it, it's competing against uh, things that are kind of out of its league. Radical Heights. Yeah, Radical Heights. Did anyone check the uh, the Steam charts for that game? No, I haven't been paying attention. I haven't seen where it ranks. Yeah, and it's still in early access, so I don't want to judge it too much right now. I I feel that... We kind of talked about it earlier in terms of genres and market share and who, what games will captivate which audiences. Fortnite obviously went the more casual route and PUBG took this, the more serious route. I think H1Z1's definitely on the more casual side. So I think Fortnite pretty much just ate all of its player base up and it's Fortnite's a much better done game in my opinion. Epic Games is, has a much better track record than whatever studio I forget is making H1Z1, so. If if only Cliffy stayed at Epic. Mm-hmm. Oh, no. Isn't that interesting to think about now, that he left a company that are making a Battle Royale, and now he's trying to make a Battle Royale to beat whatever his previous company made? SMH. Mm-hmm. SMH. He took the wrong timeline. All right, so that ends our segment that's not a segment but is still a segment battle royale updates and call it foreshadowing or maybe my co-hosts are just geniuses but our next story is loot boxes oh and a crisis maybe Uh so netherlands as of last week and belgium this week have declared that loot boxes in games are a game of chance which is essentially gambling and harmful to children, and they have declared them illegal. So, just going off of previous statements, EA has said on the record that microtransactions, and probably loot boxes, are a very lucrative financial offering. But do you think we'll see any change in attitude from publishers and developers um, until we see any of these laws being made in larger markets like the United States and maybe the UK and China potentially. Um, 
one quick note before I go on my my rant, uh, or not rant, a uh, point is that I find it hilarious that Belgium did not find Battlefront Two violating the law. <laughs> like h- how? I mean, they Why? did change their system, but out of all the games they they singled out, I f- I find it hilarious that Battlefront Two was not on there. Hey, um, man. They bought their own star card decks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were benefiting from that one, Tristan. <laughs> uh, but that aside, another kind of reform that's going on is GDPR, right? This is kind of more like dealing with tech companies and mm-hmm. privacy laws and things. I feel like a lot of the companies are making global changes to conform to this regional law, Um like, I don't know if you've noticed, but I've been getting a lot of privacy policy changes emails over the last week because all the companies are mm-hmm. rewriting them. Um, so I actually see this potentially having a global impact. Um, just because getting fined kind of sucks. And I'm sure that all these publishers don't want to pay money if they don't have to. And in the case that the U.S. or... Uh, I guess U.S., yeah. If the U.S. adopts this, then they have to do it anyway, so might as well just implement it now. You know, an interesting thing to note is that in Japan, for these uh, gacha games on mobile, they actually have to tell you the chances of getting a, like, normal, rare, and super rare. Uh, I think, so China, I think China has similar... I think China yep, has similar I believe laws. China's a similar way, so that could be maybe a compromise of what we get to, is they at least have to tell you the chances of your uh, loot box giving you certain loot. So I think that might be a compromise. We'll see. Yeah, I I disagree with you, Tristan. I think that it makes too much money that this is more of the exception rather than the general train of thought that they're going to make. And by that, I mean, I think they're going to do what Alex said. They're going to implement little loopholes so they can get by in these countries or just simply remove microtransactions from players in those countries entirely because losing that small market segment is not worth changing an entire game uh potentially a game's entire economical model just because two countries have outlawed it versus gdpr which was an entire eu initiative right so they would lose entire europe out of their market i feel like this is gonna get really complicated then like for for csgo if you can't get dragon lore right in a box because your country Mm -hmm. doesn't support boxes anymore um can you buy it from like a player from the u.s I think that would be allowed because that's not gambling in any fa- fashion, right? That's just buying straight up. There will be a loot box Silk Road out there where you got to get your <laughs> your black market uh, loot boxes. <laughs> just need that extra hit. I need my dragon lore. Mm-hmm. Is that still a, a thing? I, I don't know. I, I haven't I, played we'll, we'll make it a thing. Okay. Dragon, dragon lore is a thing. Yeah, it's still pretty expensive. But Tristan, I guess I can see where you're coming from. And if loot boxes are going to change, do you think that, not per se to just bypass laws, but do you think just the implementation of them is going to change? And you brought up CSGO, and I'm going to bring up another Valve game, TF2, which is actually, I think, the granddaddy of loot boxes. I think it was the first game to put in an actual key that you or crate that you have to buy money to get a random item in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say it's definitely one of the first. Yeah. Thanks, Valve. Um, mm-hmm. But re- regarding that, so in TF2, they made an update. I forget when it was, but it's when you unlock an item, you you can no longer get that item until you have every single other item in the loot box. So if there's a skin box with 12 skins in it, 
you might get the most common ones first. And maybe you have to open up 12 loot boxes to get the most rare item because that's just the one that you haven't gotten yet. But theoretically, it's not gambling because as long as you spend like number of money times number of items in the box, you'll eventually get the item. Do you think that that sort of implementation will become more popular? Or do you think that they'll just kind of stick with this random game of chance until they have to change it by laws? I guess it becomes a question at that point if it even matters if it's a loot box anymore. You might as well just offer the item up for sale if you're going to guarantee it dropping at some point. Yeah, why don't they just make it the max price and just sell it in their store? Yeah, I don't know. I think because mentally that seems more expensive, correct? Yeah, right? te- like, technically, like, if if it's priced competitively enough, you could get lucky. And uh, get that rare skin on, like, your first or second pull. Exactly. Versus, oh, make it, co- like, if there's 12 items and a key costs $2, do you make the item cost $24? Or I think gamers would still say, I'll hedge my bets. I could probably get this in six six tries for $12. Sure. Yeah, I could see that. And I guess in that case as well, you get all of the items as opposed to just the one item at the end that you want. So do you think, as Alex brought up earlier, that putting the drop rate chances would be a good way of deterring children from buying into these loot boxes? Or do you think that's just not an effective way? Nah, I I don't think children will give any kind of uh, care in the world about what percentages say that their chances of getting something are. If anything, it might make it worse. They're like, oh, look, I got this like 0.02% chance item. I think for me as an adult, it actually would have me prevent buying them at all. Because for games like TF2 or Battlefield, if I see the most rare item, and this actually happened with Battlefield 1's launch, where there was a super rare tank skin, and through... What's the word? Um, Trist, maybe you can help me out here. Essentially where they gather a bunch of data and they look at the numbers of the drop rates. Maybe there's no term for it. Maybe that's just what it is. They essentially they gathered community data for all the people who opened up a certain chest and the super rare tank skin was found to have a 0.01% drop rate and people were spending like hundreds of dollars on buying these crates trying to see what they were doing and if they knew that the drop rate was 0.01% they probably wouldn't have tried in the first place especially supposing that unlike Steam games you can't trade the skins for actual money after you're done it's just only you have it right yeah, if if they if developers do things like that where there is these things that you can obtain but they're just so abysmally low where it's in the 0.00 percentile of your chances of getting it. Yeah, I think these laws will come into effect pretty harshly. Uh if it's a lot more fair and lenient, then I think we'll be able to be a little bit safer on laws. Alex, does your mobile game have loot boxes in it? Uh I guess technically, uh, when you craft boat girls, uh, you have a chance of it being normal, rare, super rare, or secret rare, and it tells you the percentages. But the secret rares are still like a seven percent chance. So that's not bad. That's not you bad. have a you have a fairly high chance, and it's not like it. Uh, it's very stingy on the uh, currency, so you can and is throw that, them is out. That a, does that affect stats? Uh, the rarest boats do have higher stats, but they're not always the best. Ah, okay. In terms of stat or skills and stuff. All right, and that about wraps it up for episode three of Viewport Relay. 
Viewport Relay is currently only on Podbean, 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 but will be appearing on iTunes, Google Music, and all of your favorite podcast directories in the coming months. We're also on social media as Viewport Gaming on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But Albert, why Viewport Gaming? Why Viewport Gaming, you ask? Viewport Relay is part of the Viewport Gaming Network, a gaming site that provides a look into video games through reviews, features, and podcasts. You can find all Viewport content at viewportgaming.com. As always, I've been your host, Albert Corston, and I'm joined here by Tristan Jung. See ya! And Alex Nestor. Bye-bye. We'll see you next time!